I'm so glad that you are giving the platform to speak this verbally because this (laughs) is possibly like the most misunderstood facet of what Tansafe does in terms Mm of accurately and correctly using our test kits. There are so many misconceptions about what our kits can do and how you should use them. So if you're a person that uses a test kit or are even considering using a test kit, knowing what I'm about to tell you could help you completely transform your community's understanding of these kits. So please heed this warning. Hey there, welcome to Rave Culture Cast, your weekly guide to the EDM community, music festivals, and more. Hosted by me, Emma Capotis. Each week, I'll be covering everything from dance music culture, industry news, trending topics, and festival tips, advice, and reviews. You can also expect to hear stories from ravers, artists, business owners, and more. Tune in every Wednesday for your weekly dose of peace, love, unity, and respect. Hey guys, welcome back to Rave Culture Cast, your weekly guide to the EDM community, music festivals, and more. I'm your host, Emma Capotis. Thank you all so much for tuning in this week. Welcome to the podcast. If any of you guys are new here, I'm so excited that you decided to listen to an episode. Um, Today's topic in particular is one that I am so excited to be covering because I think it's extremely important and it's very fitting right now with the timing of music festivals coming back and everybody hopefully safely returning to live events. So I'm excited to dive into that and tell you a little bit more about the topic in just a little bit. Um, But first, I just wanted to check in. I hope you're all doing well. Again, if you're new here, welcome. Um, I just wanted to quickly share a couple announcements and other fun things that we have going on. Um, First and foremost, some of you guys might know, but we have a Discord group now, which is so exciting. Um, So we have a Facebook community, which is amazing. And now if you guys want to just speak even more freely or if you want to meet a rave fam or if you want to speak in specific channels for certain music festivals and things like that, Discord is a great place to do that. So there will always be links in the show notes if you guys want to join the Discord group or the Facebook group. Um, And of course, we have a new merch collection out, the Plur Mini Collection, which I'm so excited about. I've been wearing it nonstop. I just got my second mask in, so I'm super excited about that. But if you guys want to show some support, it's going to be perfect for Pride coming up in June as well because I've got the rainbow hearts in the collection. But anyway, thank you to anybody who has supported so far. Um, It means the world to me. So thank you guys so much for doing that. And I think that's it. I'm feeling good today. We're in a good energy. Like I said, I'm excited about today's topic. Um, And I think, you know, buckle up because we've got a lot to cover. This episode is for sure jam-packed full of information that I hope is really, really helpful. Um, So I'll dive a little bit into that now and then I'll do our affirmation of the week. How's that sound, you guys? All righty. So today we are going to be speaking about harm reduction Um, and safety around substance use, which obviously this is a big topic. I actually did an episode on substance use, probably one of the first few I ever did, like definitely is in the first 10 episodes. So definitely go back and listen to that. I've shared some of my experiences in there. And um, I just wanted to bring this back and talk a little bit more about harm reduction and the science of certain substances. Um, And specifically, I'm going to be talking to a representative from dancesafe.org, which is an incredible nonprofit that's been around for a really, really long time. They are the leaders in this space, you guys. Um, Rachel Clark is going to be joining me. She is uh, the communication and programs coordinator. She, I think, has been 
with them. Oh gosh, it might be going on 10 years, but it's been a while. She's been with the company and her role has evolved. So I'll let her tell you about that. Um, But she has really dedicated her time and energy into teaching harm reduction um, to help educate fans in the dance music and music festival communities. Um, So today we're going to talk a little bit about what Dance Safe does um, to make sure that people can rave safely. And that is including on-site services that they have at actual live events. That includes testing kits for drugs. That includes online education tools via their website and their social media accounts so they are fully the experts in this space and they have a lot of different resources for you guys so definitely check them out I'm going to include a ton of links in today's episode Um, so today what we actually speak about Rachel is going to help debunk some popular myths that I think will help clear up a lot of false narratives that people have around taking certain substances she definitely pops off on that topic Um, we also chat about how to properly test your drugs Um, We talk about if vitamin regimens actually work, if they do anything. We talk about the frequency in which people take substances and how harm, how damaging that can be to your health. Um, And then we talk about approaching the return of live events and what you guys should be looking out for, as well as how you can help keep the people around you safe at live events. So like I said, it's a lot. We're going to get a little scientific on you. Um, Rachel is an expert in this space, so it's really amazing to hear everything she has to say. So um, I hope you guys take the time to listen to the whole thing because we really do hit on a lot of different topics. Um, Share this with a friend today, somebody that you think could use this information or you think somebody could, you know, needs help in this area. Really appreciate you guys spreading the word, especially on this topic in particular. Um, Because these things could definitely, these literally could save somebody's life. Like Dance Safe is educating people to make sure that they are not taking things that could result in a casualty or result in somebody seriously harming themselves or injuring themselves or making a a fatal mistake. So um, what they're doing is very serious. So I hope you guys listen to this whole episode and I hope you learned something new. Definitely leave me feedback on what you think. Um, and yeah, my goal, my number one goal with this podcast is always to make sure that you leave feeling more informed and prepared. And Rachel is going to do just that with everything she shares today. So that's what I've got for you guys. I'm going to quickly dive into our affirmation of the week and then I'm going to let Rachel introduce herself. So the affirmation I have today actually is special. I, this was the affirmation I pulled today. I pull my cards every morning. Um, and this is from the I am everything affirmation card deck. This is a gift from my brother for Christmas. Um, And there's 30 different affirmation cards in here. And this is the one I got this morning. So I figured I would read this because I really, really liked it. Okay, it says, I am inspiring. I am inspiring to those around me even when I don't realize it. When I am welcoming, kind, and giving towards people, it inspires them to respond to me the same way. I am inspiring. Love that. You guys are inspiring. You have no idea who is looking at you wishing they could be in your shoes You are helping more people than you think. You are more important than you think. And if you lead by example and again, approach people being welcoming, kind and giving, you will get that same love back to you. So do not forget today or any day that you are inspiring. So on that note, you guys, I'm going to roll right into the interview here. So please join me in welcoming Rachel Clark from dancesafe.org. All right, you guys, today I have a very special guest joining me. Uh, As you can tell by the title, today we're going to be talking about safety around substance use and harm reduction. Um, So naturally, I had to reach out to Dance Safe because that's an organization I've known about 
for years now. So I um, have Rachel Clark here today, who's going to talk to us a little bit about all those things I just mentioned. And first and foremost, I want to get to know you a little bit better. So could you give an introduction to yourself, who you are, where you're from, and how you got involved with Dance Safe? Yeah, sure. So my name is Rachel. I use she, her pronouns. I'm from San Diego, California, and currently positioned in the middle of Ohio. Um, I've been involved in harm reduction forever. Like basically since I was 12 years old, I knew that studying drugs and harm reduction and ways of reducing risks affiliated with drug use was like my thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So specifically in terms of dance safe, I serve as our programs and communications coordinator, which means that I do all of our social media. Um, If you've seen our daily drug quizzes on Instagram, that's me. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you've seen any of the other educational content that we've put out in the last couple of years, our infographics, et cetera, that's also me. So a lot of what I do is kind of translate the more sticky subject material for drugs and drug education mm-hmm. into stuff that's palatable. And that's that's basically what I do like all day, every day. So outside of that, I work for Insomniac for the ground control division of Birmingham Reduction. Uh, I was the president of Students for Sensible Drug Policy at Oberlin College. Uh, and I also teach a free online harm reduction and drug education course called Drug Scout that wow. is really popular. So uh, it's a lot of my life. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's so crazy. Okay. We'll have to link to that. You'll have to send me a link to, to that. Totally. So, so you're, <laughs> yeah, you're fully involved. <clears throat> and one thing I wanted to clarify about dance safe too, before we started, cause I actually did get some questions, you guys listening, we're going to do listener questions at the end. We're going to chat first. Um, but somebody was asking just in general, you know, dance safe is a nonprofit, but are there actual locations or is it just an organization that is represented in a bunch of different ways? So DanceSafe has an organizational structure that revolves around a centralized national crew that oversees operations for volunteer-based chapters across the country. So in terms of like DanceSafe itself doesn't have like an office in one place. We have a virtual office that's very active and has a Mm -hmm. lot of um, horrible drug memes and fun discourse about the drug war, (laughs) et cetera. Uh, a lot of it is based off of kind of keeping tabs on our volunteer activity around the country. So at this point, I think we have just over a dozen active chapters. COVID kind of took a hit there. Um, but what we do is pretty decentralized. It's about mobilizing people and giving people tools and resources to be able to do this work in their own communities with the support mm-hmm. of a centralized network of people that does it full time. Got it. Okay. And your involvement in the organization we were chatting off the record, but how has your growth been like with the company? How long have you been working there? And like, how has DanceSafe changed in the past few years too? Wow. Um, (laughs) In terms of how DanceSafe has changed, I personally feel like it's a completely different organization than I first started working for in 2014. And by working Mm -hmm. for, I should clarify, I started volunteering for DanceSafe in 2014 kind of, you know, off the record. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then from there, I contacted them in 2017 and just said, do you guys want a hand? You know, is there anything I can help out with? Um, And they said yes. And I started doing an unpaid internship and then got really into it, did a paid Mm -hmm. internship, moved up to being a contractor. And then uh, the responsibilities have stayed, you know, pretty much the same the whole time, just with different levels of consistency, I would get, I would say consistency, different levels of commitment. And as of September, I'm a staff member. So it it really is very much like if you show your dedication to the movement, and if you're really, really invested in this work, people know, you know, you can see Mm -hmm. it in other people that are like, I live and breathe harm reduction. You can really tell. Right, right. I was going to say, and it's, it's so involved in the other parts of your life as well, too, which is really, really cool that you've dedicated so much time and energy into this. So hats off to you for doing that. Um, Thank you. Okay. A little background on DanceSafe as well, because one thing that 
I feel like is just heavily associated, obviously with rave culture, you could say is obviously substance use. And I did a podcast episode, one of the first ones on this, um, with my personal experiences and just talking about it and kind of the idea you guys for today's episode is just to talk about harm reduction and safety, because we do realize that live events are coming back and we haven't had them for an entire year. There's a whole new generation of ravers. There's probably people who have never attended anything before who are about to go out. And we just want to make sure that you are educated and understand what you're getting yourself into and just know options and all of that stuff. So we're really just trying to bring as much information as possible to you with this episode. That's my goal. Um, so I guess to start off, what kind of information, it might be a lot, but what kind of information does dance safe offer like on their website, on social media, all that good stuff. That is a big question. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'll start with, um, in person at events, because that's really where most people know us from is seeing our booth in person, mm-hmm. the dance safe booth, the dancing person who unfortunately we are in the middle of a brand refresh and the dancing person is getting a new pair of pants very okay. soon, <laughs> um, but they are still around. So at a dance safe booth, typically you'll find a bunch of our very well beloved drug information cards. They're about this big. They're like five by eight cards, I believe mm-hmm. is the sizing. Maybe, maybe that's one could be four by six, but sure. they contain a lot of like the basic essential information about substances. And historically we've had it on a model of usually there's like a carousel of the cards and you can just pick and choose and take as many as you want. People love these cards because they're like collector's items, you know, like catch them all, catch the the heroin card, the ecstasy card, the shrooms card, whatever you want. And these are a really great way of just being able to have that pocket information of like not a huge amount of dense research to pull through, but kind of the basics of what is it? What does it do? How do you dose it? What are the risks? Mm -hmm. Um, Just like a baseline level of understanding of these substances as well as things about like heat stroke, which is really an undervalued risk factor. Uh, The issue of hyperthermia and people that are rolling is totally not discussed enough, like the issue Mm -hmm. of overheating, Mm -hmm. as well as the issue of hypernatremia and hyponatremia, which are respectively dehydration and overhydration. So um, it kind of what we want to do is is reduce the the risks affiliated with not understanding and not knowing, because frankly, most recreationally used substances the risk of doing them in a controlled environment when you have all of the information that you need in order Mm -hmm. to make informed decisions about your own body is significantly lower than it is when people just like don't know what they're doing. Right. So um, our website goes a lot more in depth there. We have um, pages that are dedicated to certain substances. We have pages about how to get home safe, pages about how to recognize things like heat stroke, Um, pages about how to use fentanyl testing strips, how to identify overdose, Mm. how to respond to overdose, serotonin syndrome. Um, Basically, like across the board, if Mm -hmm. you have a question, especially that's pertinent to these environments, we've covered it because there's a lot of like specialized info for nightlife environments. And we try to keep that in an accessible place. Amazing. Um, yeah. And, and the last thing I'll say in that is that recently we've also, oh, of course, I don't know how I could possibly forget to mention that we are known for testing your drugs. That's what right. we're known for. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting to um, that, you guys. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, of course, that's like our big thing is that we are a test kit manufacturer and reseller. Mm-hmm. And we are known for having our kind of like side booth on site at events. Depends on the event Got where it. you can come and we will use our reagent kits, our fentanyl strips, whatever we have available um, within the boundaries of the specific event in the state, mm-hmm. it gets kind of sticky sometimes. 
and we'll test your substances and tell you what we can about what we can see from the results, which gets sticky. That's mm-hmm. I can imagine. Is one. it mainly in North America yeah. or is it international as well or Canada or, you know? Uh, yeah, we're mainly North America. We have a little bit of activity in Canada, but we try and stick domestic for the time being. To Got it. Keep okay. The capacity. Cool. Yeah. You guys, I mean, it couldn't be go to the website. Like there's so many resources for you first and yeah. foremost, like no matter where you're coming from, whether it's just education or you're somebody who's sober, but you have friends who dabble, like whatever it is, like just go to the website and get information and look for the booths at events. There were some questions that actually came up about that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I should have asked this first too, because I'm curious how you feel in general about education, because from my perspective as a content creator, I have had the occasional comment of, you know, I take the perspective where I just rather educate you. I know it's going to happen. People are going to do what they want to do. So I'd rather talk about the ways to be safe about it than rather like not talk about it at all. However, I do get the occasional comment of like, you're promoting drug use or something Uh like that. And I'm like, I'm really not promoting it. I'm they're Uh like, here's how you take drugs safely. So how do you feel about getting comments like that? I feel a lot of ways about it. <laughs> a lot of ways that I probably should not no. fully express. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also I understand it. And that's really the main thing about, especially doing social media, you know, no one's ever going to fully agree with what you say on the mm-hmm. internet. It's a really like, it's a difficult line to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the most simplified, cause I've gotten that, that question a million times myself. Mm-hmm. I guess the most simplified response that I've ever had to it is kind of if prohibition had worked it would have worked Mm -hmm. if we'd been doing had worked it would have worked Mm -hmm. and and, you know we're seeing like a massive spike in overdose deaths an enormous spike in fentanyl contamination in the market and what you really have to ask yourself at a certain point is am i instilling this kind of ideology that we can't talk about these things Mm -hmm. on the basis that it's actually going to help or am I doing it to maintain a sense of moral stability? Mm-hmm. And that's a real question to ask. It's a hard question to ask because it's just the, it is the case that if what you're doing is not working and you claim to be doing it to protect mm-hmm. other people's health and safety, and you continue doing it anyway, even though yep. it's not protecting, protecting their health and safety, then it's like, what exactly is the motive behind this behavior? Mm-hmm. So for us, it's kind of like, we have a goal in mind. We would love for dance safe to not exist is the goal. Right. Ideally, we will have to disapparate because we just like don't have any use anymore because mm-hmm. people have real facilities available to find this information, test their substances, not need us. Yep. Um, people die due to disinformation and contaminated supply. Mm-hmm. Put it simply, yeah. No, thank you for saying that. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I just think everybody's gonna have a different opinion on it. But for me, and like, I'm, I'm not in a corporate job anymore. So I'm talking about whatever I want to talk about. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I just think like, if you share your experiences as well, it's just like, if I've learned some lessons, I'd rather share them with you. So you don't make the same mistakes because I, you know, we're all young ones. We all do something that we regret. You know what I mean? So I just, I think it's like more important just to share stories. And I'm sure I'll say some instances today in talking with you, but, um, yeah, I completely respect everything you guys are doing. And I share that opinion with you. Um, I want to go back to the testing on site and how yeah. that works. So, mm-hmm. cause I think, I think for the most part, a lot of people are aware of dance safe, but for anybody who's new here, welcome. Now you guys know about dance safe. Um, 
So how does it work on site? Like, is it a big team that you guys have there? Like which events can you actually go to? Like, how does that all work? Well, um, I'm going to have to go deep in the archives of my memory back when <laughs> live events actually happen. I know. <laughs> um, generally how it works is we communicate with the promoter before we will always communicate with the promoter beforehand. None of this mm-hmm. happens without the consent of the promoter. We don't do that. Right. Um, ultimately having that relationship established and getting some kind of harm reduction on site is the most important thing to us right now. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, ideally promoters would let us bring advanced testing on site, whatever, when we have it, which will be this year, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Um, but typically what, what I would say I see most often at, fe- I'll just use festivals in particular right now, sure. because that's the easiest example is the, the promoter will basically say, um, you can't put up signage about this necessarily, but you can tell people that come up to the booth that mm-hmm. you can take them to get their substances tested elsewhere. And usually what ends up happening, I would say, depending on how the event is structured and how comfortable the promoter is, mm-hmm. we've had it so that there's literally just been like one wall separating, like a fabric wall separating the front of the booth from the back of the booth. And you just go right back there. And we okay. have our, our reagent set up there and we'll test for you right there. Um, we've had it at other events where we've basically said, there's a friend in the campgrounds, you know, come with me mm-hmm. and gone on this rabbit hole journey, like, I don't know, a quarter mile away yeah. to someone's tent. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, which is, you know, you compare it to other festivals. I think it was boom fest. I'm not positive though. Don't quote me on that in, mm. uh, Portugal that had, it was, it was the loop in the UK. I forget which festival it was that has like a full building that's dedicated mm. to advanced drug checking. Yeah, but we don't European ones. Yeah, are yeah. on that. Yeah, we we can't do that. Yeah, advertising is interesting. I could see that being a thing. Other the other thing that popped into my head too for anybody just getting started out, I think there's also this stigma or maybe it's a concern for patrons of festivals who might take substances and then have an issue dehydration, whatever it might be. And then they don't go to get help because they're afraid of getting Mm -hmm. in trouble or something along those lines. And we've, I've had, um, festival organizers on before who have said like, we're not here to get you in trouble, go to the medical tent. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to get arrested. We're not out here trying to arrest everybody. We see they're looking for, you know, a dealer who's bringing in a bag of pills, trying to sell things that are laced with something like that's a, a person they're looking for. They're not looking for people who are like having issues or something. So, what would you say to anybody who is just like a festival attendee who is like thinking about getting something tested, but they're like concerned about, I guess, getting in trouble Mm. or something like that? Well, um, to our knowledge, none of our volunteers have ever been arrested for having, Mm. well, actually, no, that is our knowledge. None of our volunteers have ever been arrested for possessing drug checking kits, even though in in many States they're considered to be drug paraphernalia, which is a problem as you might imagine. Um, I would say generally you're not at risk coming to our booth. You know, like if anything, we are more at risk. Our volunteers will not handle your substances. So we, we will not allow those to pass into volunteer hands. So mm-hmm. you'll be responsible for pulling it out and scraping a little bit onto the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, but like there's there's no law enforcement posted up inside our tent. Believe me, <laughs> there's mm-hmm. no law enforcement inside our tents. So we would not not let that fly they've got bigger fish to fry yeah oh yeah but also oh my god the amount of ruckus that would be made by dancing volunteers if law enforcement tried to post up there it would yeah. be unbelievable seriously got it um 
I would say that it's not so much about the risk of getting your substances tested because frankly, mm-hmm. having the ability to test your drugs on site at a festival is, it's not that common. You know, it's just not that common. Mm-hmm. If it's there, take advantage of it. Seriously. Like I would say we're probably more at risk than you are, honestly. Um, and I would just say like seeking medical attention is the big thing that I don't want anyone to ever balk on. You know, mm-hmm. like you will not be in trouble for going to the med tent and being really fucked up. You know, yeah. like it's, it's not how it is. They know you're coming. They're fully prepared to do that. Right. There's like some full blown, almost hospitals on site at some festivals. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 And they've seen exactly the kinds of things that a person that's having a difficult drug experience would be going through. What I will mm-hmm. say is that sometimes going to a hospital or a, sorry, onsite mm-hmm. festival medics for psychological care, if you're tripping too hard, that depending on the festival, if it's like a speedway festival or a festival that has a lot more of a concrete jungle feel, mm-hmm. I don't know how much they're going to be able to do if you're, you know, that you've taken LSD, mm-hmm. for instance, or mushrooms, and you're just like really panicking, the most yeah. you're going to get is an IV, which is probably right. really good if you're freaking out, but just be aware that it's not usually equipped for psychological care unless you're going to Zendo or something like that. Okay. That makes sense. Since we're on testing, I actually had a lot of questions and then, I mean, I'll try and weave some questions in as I, as I go, but that, since that is such a big thing with DanceSafe in general, can you just chat about what options there are and what people should know about testing their substances? Yes. I'm so glad that you are giving the platform to speak this verbally because this (laughs) is possibly like the most misunderstood facet of what DanceSafe does in terms Mm -hmm. of accurately and correctly using our test kits. Okay. There are so many misconceptions about what our kits can do and how you should use them. So if you're a person that uses a test kit or, or even considering using a test kit, knowing what I'm about to tell you could help you completely transform your community's understanding of these kits. So please heed this warning. Mm-hmm. Um, how the kits work is you have what's called a reagent, which is a little bottle of a chemical. And there are a bunch of different reagents, which are slight chemical variations. Um, most of them are based off of sulfuric acid, which is very corrosive. Don't get it on your skin. Don't lick it. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, put, drop it on a sour patch kit and eat it for Ugh. whatever reason. Yeah. Please. Um, and what you're generally going to want to do is take a tiny little sample of your substance, like the size of a pen tip. It's really small. It, mm-hmm. You just need enough to see the color change. If you want a more concrete color change, you can use more. Um, a chunk of something will take longer to break down though. So try and get it powdered, especially if it's a pill or a powder or crystal. Mm-hmm. And put that on a white surface, preferably a ceramic plate, a, a glass plate if you need to, hard white plastic if you absolutely must. Nothing porous though, because Mm -hmm. it's corrosive. Um, And you drop one drop of a reagent on top of your little pinhead sample. Now, most people are familiar with the Marquis reagent. That's the most famous one for sure. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are under the impression that you have some Molly, you scrape a little bit of it, you drop one drop of Marquis. If it turns black, you're good to go. You have Molly. But how the kits actually work is it, it serves as a presumptive and not an affirmative test, which sounds confusing, but it basically means you should use these kits to see if what you have is not what you're looking for. You should not use mm-hmm. these kits to confirm, oh yes, this that is what is. I'm looking for. Got it. Yeah. We cannot tell you purity. We cannot tell you potency. We cannot tell you if you have something mm-hmm. that's adulterated with multiple things. Um, the purity test kits that are out there do not work. There is no at home purity kit that can mm-hmm. actually tell you purity. None. It, it just it. cannot happen. 
So be really wary of that. And another thing that's that's pretty major is that people often don't realize that you really need to use multiple reagents to get a reaction. Um, the dance safe color chart is an easy way of looking at this. It's a huge chart with lots of little bars of color going across mm -hmm. with the drug next to them. And the reagent is, it's very overwhelming to look at. I get it hundred percent. It's a lot of information. Mm -hmm. um, basically what you're looking for is if you look at the chart and it says, for instance, MDMA, and then under each column through the reagent, there's a different color. Um, you want to use at the very least the Marquis reagent, the Simons reagent, and the Frody reagent, those three reagents. The reason is that Marquis turns black with MDMA, but it also turns black with a bunch of other drugs. Mm. So how are you supposed to possibly know what you have? Right, and right, right. That's what I want to kind of stress is like, we can't tell you the purity, we can't tell you the potency, we cannot tell you adulterants. If you use multiple reagents and the colors don't exactly match what's on the chart, it doesn't mean oh, it has like all the different drugs that change those colors. It mm. means it's either not on the chart or it's just adulterated with something else. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And it's even more complicated than that. You know, I could get into this for like another 10 minutes. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot to know about test kits. So mm. I'll give just a, a quick example, mm -hmm. which is that um, in 2010, approximately, there was a sudden lack of MDMA on the market because there was a huge destruction of this massive amount of MDMA precursor, saffron. And in response to this, manufacturers were like, oh, uh -oh <laughs> what do we do? Mm -hmm. So they started producing large quantities of these drugs, PMMA and PMA. Um, PMMA and PMA are not recreationally available mm -hmm. recreational use substances and they can be quite dangerous to take them without knowing what they are or just in general they're really unpredictable um, but they do not react with the marquee reagent so mm -hmm. manufacturers would press pills that were 90 percent pma or pmma and 10 percent mdma and they would turn black on the reagent oh, test god yeah right and that's that's a prime example of why you cannot you cannot use these kits to say oh, this is all MDMA. This is good. Mm -hmm. This is safe. This is clean. This is pure. All it can tell you is, oh, that turned orange instead of black. That means that the main thing in this pill is not Molly. Got it. Okay. So the three tests you mentioned, just to clarify this. So if you scrape a little bit off and you put the marquee on it, are you saying you have to scrape a little bit more off in a new yeah. pile within the second test? Yes. Same thing with the third test. Okay. For each reagent you use, you need, it's, it's a really small amount. Yep. People balk at it. It is such a tiny amount. <laughs> Unless you're really scraping the bottom of your bag, missing like four milligrams of MDMA is probably not going to ruin you guys life. are fine. Relax. <laughs> <Test> your <laughs> shit. Like, can we make this more clear? Test your shit. Yeah, it's so yeah. crazy, but no, that is so, that's so true because I, I could easily confirm with you that I think most people just know the marquee and let me skip down to some of the questions. Cause there were a few questions about, um, testing. What else can be used to test MDMA besides marquee and Simon's? Totally. Which one you um, said, I think. Yeah, well, if you go to dancesafe.org and you look at our um, huge color reactions chart, if you go mm -hmm. to the shop and you look at any of the reagent kits, you should be able to pull up this color chart. Okay, cool. Yeah. And on that color chart, you can see all the different reagents and it will show you which ones react, which ones don't react. Ideally, I would say get the full eight panel kit. And there's only one that you only need to use for like LSD, which is the Airlix reagent. That's not going to apply to pretty much anything else you mm -hmm. want to test for the most part. You know, Airlix right. is pretty much LSD and psilocybin, tri tryptamines, indoles, whatever, mm -hmm. um, which are a class of psychedelic drugs. But in terms of something like MDMA, I generally say the more data points you have, the better. Like 
if you have all seven reagents that will react with the bulk of the chart, you should use all seven of them because then you can just get like across the board, boom, 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 boom. The more matches you have, the better of a, of a test you have basically. Got it. If you're looking at, at the bare minimum though, then you only really need Marquis, Simons, and Frody. But that's on okay. the chart. It's, it's pretty easy to see on the chart. And we also sell kits on our website that are specific pairs and matchings mm-hmm. of what you specifically need for that drug. For so cocaine drug. kit, MDMA kit, um, something else, LSD testing kit. Yeah. Yep. It's just popped into my head. So I want to ask before I get back mm-hmm. to the testing, but this could be personal opinion either way, but sure. is there more of a concern with certain types of drugs at festivals like psychedelics versus Molly ecstasy? Like, is there a bigger issue with MDMA being like laced with things versus a psychedelic, if that makes sense? I don't know. I guess they, I mean, are they all equally <laughs> dangerous? No, I don't know. No, no, It's a totally <laughs> valid and really important question. I think that um, generally the thing that is easiest to cut to add stuff to is powder. Like always mm-hmm. it's going to be powder because right. you can just, it, the more it gets passed down the supply chain, the more hands it passes through. And especially something like cocaine, for instance, Coke is like possibly, I would say it's one of the most adulterated drugs. Heroin right now is, is I would say from what I've seen in terms of the market is probably the most adulterated. Um, heroin across mm-hmm. both coasts is like fentanyl mm-hmm. right now. Um, in terms of MDMA, it's really like definitely LSD is among the least adulterated substances. Mm-hmm. You know, there are only a couple of things that can be put on blotter that aren't LSD. And the reason is that LSD is dosed in such tiny quantities, like typically 100 or so micrograms, which is a tenth of a milligram. Is it a tenth of a milligram? A hundredth of a milligram. <laughs> so really, it's a math was you know never my, <laughs> as a STEM yeah. major, math was never my strong suit. Um, <laughs> It's, it's a tiny, tiny quantity. It's a 10th of a milligram. And okay. that is like really, really small and usually means or always pretty much means that you need to dilute it in liquid to drop it onto the blotter. Mm-hmm. So you can't fit most other things on blotter. You can fit 25i Enbum on blotter, which is potentially quite dangerous to take without realizing in particular. Mm-hmm. People react really unpredictably to Enbum. Enbum isn't very common on the markets. I would say generally... If your tab has a strong metallic bitter taste, it's a spitter. If it's bitter, mm-hmm. it's a spitter. That is not LSD. Pretty easy. You know, mm-hmm. if it doesn't taste good, then it's not acid. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'll taste bad though. It, it's mm-hmm. not just like a minor metallic. It's like, it'll taste bad. Um, in terms of MDMA though, what people don't realize is that they, they tend to go for specific presses of press pills or pressies. Uh, like Tesla's, for instance, obviously Tesla's and like Blue Dolphins and whatever are, are mm-hmm. so uh, famous for being like good. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that any guy with a pill press can just be like, oh, people like orange Teslas. Yep. So I'm going to press like caffeine and baby lactose into oh, pill. God. Yeah. Yeah. And that happens all the time. There are orange Teslas right now that have like, or no pink Teslas that just hit the market that have some bizarre combination. That I don't remember Jeez. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so crazy. And I mean, these types of things you can, like you said, you can buy them and you can bring them with you to an event or you can test them before you go, you know what I mean? Just like, yeah, I, at this point, it's like, why aren't you doing it? It should just be a part of your routine. Routine. If you're going to partake and especially I have this down to talk about 
I can't even count how many people just buy things on the spot at events. Yeah. Proud from a complete stranger, aren't testing it, taking it, and then God knows what happens. And that's also such a big concern to me mm-hmm. with events coming back as well. Um, so in this case, I guess, like, is it possible to look up if an event is going to have Dan safe there? So we've been working on that for a while. At this point in time, since we're in the midst of a brand refresh, a website refresh, it should be hopefully, but you know, I can't say Mm -hmm. anything hard about deadlines here. We aim to have the ability to have like a a centralized calendar of events that DanceSafe is scheduled to work at. Cool. However, the reality of the situation is that we also are a volunteer based organization So a lot of the individual chapters function pretty autonomously as their own kind of units. They're Mm -hmm. not not really particularly connected to each other. They do have their own kind of like routine. Um, A lot of the time following the Dance Safe page for your area, if there's a Dance Safe chapter in your area is the best way to do this. So on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever, um, or just signing up to be a volunteer and then you'll get newsletters and emails from your chapter. Hopefully that's something you're doing. Okay. And sometimes events will outright announce us, which is the best, Yay. which you have more often. <clears throat> Someone brought up too, I know um, Shambhala has like a whole testing situation oh, yeah. there too, which is really, really cool. Actually, it, there are some content creators you can watch too. I love Psyched Substances. I think that's his YouTube channel. He's really great. He's very big on educational content with like, he talks about all types of drugs. He would, went to Shambhala and like vlogged the whole thing. But he, he's really, really good on the education aspect too. And I know even with, just with YouTube as an example, um, you obviously have to be right, very, very careful with that type of content unless it's like educational, they flag sure. it or can take it down or something. But um, I think just education is such a huge part of all of this. So I, yeah. I hope so far this helps. One thing you did say, which I'd love for you to talk a little bit more, was the purity of something because- mm-hmm. It's one thing if it's laced with something, but there also can be differences between how strong a substance is as well, which I don't think people realize. Can you chat a little about that? Yeah, this is another, I hate to say it, but it's kind of just like, I don't think people realize how complicated every single one of these subjects is. Like Mm -hmm. the class that I teach on drugs, each one of these topics would be an entire lecture's worth. There's that much information about it. Yep. I can summarize this particular thing with this issue of purity there are really two ways that we can define purity and people use it as kind of a blanket statement, but what does purity mean to you? Are you talking about like this pill contains only MDMA regardless of how good quality the MDMA is? Or are you saying, um, does this pill contain other substances or like how well produced was this MDMA? Like that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. if we're looking at just let's, let's look at, for instance, a pressed pill of MDMA. Mm-hmm. There are a couple ways that we can look at purity and I tend to classify it as organic impurities versus inorganic impurities. So an organic impurity is kind of like how well the drug was made or how the drug was made, like MDMA itself in this press bill. Mm -hmm. Let's say that there's like 70% MDMA and 10% meth and 10 20% binder Mm -hmm. and binder is required to keep a pill together. It's like an inactive thing that presses it all into one. Okay. Um, if we're looking at the fact that it's 70% MDMA and 10% meth, mm-hmm. then that would be a measure of impurity, an inorganic impurity. It's something else that makes this not a pure substance mm-hmm. is how you can look at it. Um, the other way of looking at it is just zooming in on that 70% MDMA and saying, how well was this MDMA made? What precursors were used to make it? How well washed was this MDMA? So 
possibly another concrete example of this is this really truly infuriating trend of kind of like um, idolizing brown molly. I don't know who started this. I mm-hmm. think it might be kind of like a manufacturing ploy almost Got to it. make people okay. like low quality MDMA. If you see a rock of molly that is uh-huh. like dark brown, that doesn't mean that it's special. That mm-hmm. means that either it's not MDMA or it's been washed so badly that you're just seeing a, a lot of heavy metals in it, like aluminum and mercury. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Um, lab grade MDMA and lab grade MDA, which is SAS. A lot of people think they're the same thing. They're different drugs. A lot mm. of people think that MDA is always purple and smells like root beer. It, it is shock white. Both of them are basically indistinguishable shock white in the lab. Mm. So that is like probably about as pure of MDMA as you can get. But it gets even more complicated from a chemistry perspective, because mm-hmm. if it's in a salt form, which means that it's in a rock, then there's going to be a percentage of that that isn't necessarily MDMA, but right. it's about as potent as it can get by weight. So I know that's Got complicated. It. The layperson would pretty much only need to know, basically, you can have well-produced drugs or poorly produced drugs. Mm-hmm. You can have drugs that are cut or drugs that just have that drug in them. And those are both measurements of this. So um, if you have a rock of what you know to be just MDMA and another rock of what you know to be just MDMA and you take both and one hits you harder than the other, there are a billion reasons why that could happen. Mm -hmm. One of them could be that by weight, this MDMA was produced less well than the other MDMA. That's one possible reason out of many. Yeah. Yep. You probably just cleared up so many misconceptions, by the way. So I'm so glad that you just said that about the coloring because I've heard that too. So I'm so glad that you said that. Another huge, okay, go ahead. Just, sorry, quick thing about the coloring is that just because your MDMA isn't perfectly white doesn't necessarily mean that it's terrible quality. You know, Mm -hmm. like if it has a little bit of tint to it, that's really normal is to, to have like not pure white MDMA is to have like tan MDMA or purple MDMA. I would kind of say the darker the color gets, the more sus it is personally. Yeah. Got it. The other huge part of this, which I wanted to chat about too, is frequency and the amount. Yes. (laughs) I have a quick, quick story about this. You guys, I've shared this on my channel. I think this was the first, the first round of substance use. I said, I had a horrible experience at a three-day music festival because I made the dumbass decision to take ecstasy three days in a row row, and then went to into the worst depression I've ever had in my life. It was like genuinely scary. I had to take days off of work and that like scared me straight. I was like, I'm never taking, like that was just too much. And I don't think people realize they talk about post-festival depression, but I don't think they realize what they're doing to their bodies by taking these substances multiple days in a row and being exhausted and being up all night, dancing, Mm -hmm. sweating, not drinking enough water. So what do you think about that? It's <laughs> <That's> crazy. <laughs> oh, another one that I just have so much to say on all of this. Who would have thought? Please, yeah. So um, just throwing it out there that uh, I actually recently made an MDMA Basics Instagram highlight uh, like a, a month ago. It's really recent. So if awesome. you go to our Instagram, then you can find like a ton of all of the basic information about MDMA, but not just like the basic, basic stuff. Like specifics about what causes neurotoxicity potentially and ways that you can mitigate it, whether vitamins work, et cetera, mm-hmm. like the, the good, good. Um, I'm going to say this as like a personal perspective because dance safe doesn't have a specific 
regimen that we directly endorse because the truth right. of the matter is that everyone's brain chemistry will indeed react slightly differently to MDMA mm-hmm. and all drugs. You know, that's just how it is. Right. Um, my personal recommendation is that if you like Molly and you care about doing it for more than like five years max, then you shouldn't roll more than once or twice a year, which I'm sure has a lot of people clutching their pearls right now because <laughs> rolling once or twice a weekend is probably pretty typical for a lot of people. Sure. Yeah. Um, my warning is that the way that MDMA works is it goes in in this kind of sneaky little way and it pops a bunch of bubbles that are holding your reserves of serotonin. And normally the way that this works is you have like something positive happens, serotonin is released it and does its thing. Mm-hmm. And you feel that serotonin experience in your body, a sense of affect, social belonging, pleasure. It's a very mood oriented substance. Right. Um, now, when you roll, you're basically slamming that button continuously. And in the process, you're releasing your reserves of serotonin. Mm-hmm. Now, rolling at a dose that is kind of like moderate for your body weight, for your brain chemistry, might not deplete all of your serotonin. You know, it's probably just going to dump a lot of it because after a while, your brain's natural bouncers come in. And they're like, okay, party's mm-hmm. over. You can't just do this. Get out. Right. Um, but you're still depleting quite a lot of it. And if you do that repeatedly before your brain has had the opportunity to build it back up again, you're just not going to have any left. Like that's mm-hmm. just how it works. You just won't have any serotonin left to release. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and this gets further complicated because the risk of neurotoxicity, which is basically cell damage in your brain is it's real, you know, like mm-hmm. MDMA is a neurotoxic substance. Adderall is also a neurotoxic substance at certain conditions. Mm-hmm. That's yep. the thing is the conditions really matter. So the frequency with which you're dosing, the dosage that you're on and your environment, how hot you are, how hydrated you are, the heat is like the biggest risk factor Mm -hmm. here actually is overheating. These will all contribute to the neurotoxicity of the experience. So if you experience neurotoxicity from doing MDMA, that's kind of one of the major theories of why you might lose the magic of it. Um, it's hard to know exactly what could cause losing the magic. Some people get it back after years of abstinence. Other people never get it back ever. Um, some people can get away with rolling every two to three months, which is what a lot of people consider to be like the safest mm-hmm. bet. And you still can only have like three to five years of doing that consistently before you burn out, possibly permanently. Wow. So. When it comes to spacing, my recommendation is kind of like, you can roll more frequently, but the more often you roll, the higher you risk or the higher your risk is mm-hmm. of burning out on the magic faster. Like it really is like the fuse gets really low very yep. quickly. Yep. Um, and that's something that I think a lot of people don't understand is that when you roll multiple days in a row, then you are like really hitting it hard. You do not have that much serotonin to offer. A lot of people can get away with doing that a couple times, but not super often. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people just don't even realize that it's having a behavioral effect on them as their serotonin is being replenished. Yeah. It typically takes, I would say, between three and six weeks for your serotonin to be fully replenished after a roll. But, and this is kind of tough because the science there isn't, isn't really there in terms of rolling multiple days in a row. Like, I don't know the full Mm -hmm. answer to this, Um, but I would be very surprised if your risk of neurotoxicity were not exponentially increased the more that you roll. Got it. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. I think that's like probably one of my biggest concerns for people, obviously, again, coming back to events, we haven't had them in a long time. It's summer. You're going to have heat 
Plus add on top of that, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So some of these events, you're going to have to wear masks the entire time, which affects your breathing. So it's just like, it's, it's a concern all around, but I know there was a COVID um, tab on the site now too. I think that you guys had. Yeah, we're currently working on um, pushing that out further. But Mm -hmm. one of the major things that I'm worried about and that my colleagues are worried about is that people are going to have a very different tolerance returning to events than what they're used to. Right. Um, Most likely, you know, and Mm -hmm. also the concern that people are going to be just going absolutely ham when they get back to live events. You know, we've all been cooped up for a long Mm -hmm. time. It makes sense. But in addition to this, I think a lot of people are coming out of the pandemic with a lot of social anxiety and with a lot of kind of like weird, wobbly, newborn calf legs trying to Mm -hmm. figure out how to navigate these really intense, overwhelming situations that they haven't been in for so long. And there's a pretty good chance, I would say, that people will be using drugs much more frequently as a result of that in much higher doses than they usually did, et cetera. Mm-hmm. One other thing that just came to mind too, I know this could probably be a rabbit hole, but I think it's important to talk <laughs> about rabbit holes. <laughs> it is, it seriously is, but this is so interesting to me. So I know another thing that could potentially come up, which I'm sure it happens all the time, is a lot of the times you'll have somebody who takes a substance at the beginning of the night. And then as that starts to wear off, you know, their, their happy mm-hmm. juices are gone and now they want to take something else. But what if they take a different substance? Mm-hmm. What happens with mixing certain substances? So here's the thing about mixing. You can kind of, you can attempt a generalization about mixing, but when it really comes down to it, you need to be examining the interactions for every specific drug. Mm -hmm. And determining interactions is just ridiculously complicated because it's not just about acutely, like I'm high on this drug. If I add this drug, what will it do? It's not just about that. It's also about recognizing that drugs have half-lives, which is the amount of time that it takes for the concentration of that drug to be reduced by half in your body. So it takes five half-lives for most drugs to be fully eliminated from your system. That means that if you take something that has like a particular interaction with something else that's significant, within like a few hours of coming down off of it, it's probably going to still be in your system. There is still a risk of interaction there. Mm. But in addition to that, It's even more complicated when you look at like enzyme inhibition, which means basically that there are these chemicals in your liver that are meant to go around and break down drugs. There's a family called the CYP or CYP450 family of enzymes. Hmm. And within that, there are other little baby enzymes that are responsible for breaking down other drugs like the CYP3A4 enzyme. And for instance, a lot of people don't know that that grapefruit juice and SSRIs can actually cause Someone an SSRI overdose. That. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. And the reason for it is, is that there's a, an enzyme in your liver called the CYP3A4 enzyme that's responsible for breaking down SSRIs in your body. But grapefruit is an inhibitor of that enzyme. It prevents that enzyme from doing its job. So SSRIs can build up in your system, which can cause uncomfortable, mild serotonin syndrome sensations, depending on how much grapefruit you've had, you know? But that's just one example of like, there are so many things that are enzyme inhibitors that prevent a drug in your system from getting broken down. Um, And in some ways, that's a good thing. Like grapefruit juice before MDMA, strangely enough, is actually probably pretty useful because it helps prevent MDMA from getting broken down into smaller, more neurotoxic pieces, maybe, you know? So does that help your body? Or because somebody literally asked, does grapefruit juice really help your roll? Well, it's one of those things where eating like half a grapefruit or a grapefruit on the day of your roll has the potential to kind of 
maybe minorly increase the, the intensity of the role and possibly possibly have some kind of a neuroprotective effect but also mm. these things just aren't completely understood because we don't even really fully understand right. what MDMA's metabolites do we just know that they're neurotoxic okay so with anything about like enhancing a drug experience prolonging a drug experience you really like this is my disclaimer this is my warning is that none of this stuff is like FDA approved advice. We're doing what we can with anecdotal evidence. So you have to take responsibility for the potential risks and benefits that could come with adding and subtracting from drug use. Okay. Um, But that's just like a couple of ways that interactions can be really sneaky, especially because, you know, if if you've been rolling all night and you do a couple bumps of ketamine, the likelihood of that having a significant drug interaction is pretty low. Yeah. Um, but if you're rolling all night and you take more Molly, <laughs> that's like a totally different know, experience. Jeez, like, oh, you guys make give me a heart attack out here. <laughs> it's like it's 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 crazy. I, it's just like those those are the moments. And I mean, sometimes sometimes it comes with experience, or as you get older, I don't know. Like your opinion might change on it, but I just think in those moments where you think you need more, or you want to redose, or something like that, it's like you just you need to like stop yourself and ask if this is worth it mm-hmm. at that point. It's just like you really have to have a conversation with yourself and make sure you're, you're taking care of your health the whole night. And I'm just going to keep coming at you with questions. I hope that's okay. I know, I know, I know. Cause we're on this topic already. And I think another, this is just something I see all over Reddit, all over forums all the time is, you know, vitamin regimen. So people will yeah. always just pop in the comments. They'll be like, Oh, I'm going to be taking this. And they'll be like, you'll be fine. If you take this vitamin at this time and oh, this okay. amount, blah, blah, blah. So what is your, um, or Dan saves take on vitamin regimens and do they really help? So, um, anecdotally, I would say that vitamin regimens can definitely take the edge off, but as with anything, there is, let me, let me be very clear about this. There is nothing, nothing that will completely negate the risk of neurotoxicity from doing MDMA Mm -hmm. if you're in an environment that is like, especially if you're in an environment that is conducive to it, but in general, you know, like there is no magic bullet here. There's no thing where it it makes it okay to roll all the time and have Mm -hmm. no consequence that does not exist. The best that we could do right now is say, okay, if you've checked the interactions on these supplements with other stuff that you might be taking, if you've checked your own reaction, to these supplements, if you've done an allergy test on them, for instance, and you don't have a negative reaction to them, it's probably not going to hurt you to take supplements and it might have some mild beneficial effect. It could be entirely subjective. It could be placebo, but placebos, you know, fine. If you're feeling mm-hmm. terrible after rolling, like sure, have some placebo, have a lot of placebo. I don't care. Yeah. Um, but also it, it needs to be understood that you're kind of doing it as like an, I hope this does something. I hope we right. find out in 20 years that this is effective. Yeah. Um, but there's just not really much monetary incentive to study this stuff in supplements yet. Although mm. I'm holding a supplement in my hand right now, yeah. <laughs> you know, just found on my desk. Yeah. So I'm famous for in this house is just like supplements <laughs> all around the house. Um, but another major thing with supplements is that a lot of the time, if you buy like a rave box or something, mm. they'll have, and this is not specific to that brand. This is just mm-hmm. generally, they'll have sub threshold doses of a lot of the supplements in it. Like it's not actually mm-hmm. enough to do anything. So you have to be aware of that. Um, and also just be mindful of the fact that taking a ton of vitamin C will make you shit your brains out. And <laughs> guys yeah. are taking notes. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why the EDC porta bodies always look like that. <laughs> but also I, I just think that in my opinion, if you're going to stack supplements, 
you know, this is a personal opinion. This is not mm-hmm. through DanceSafe. I say that if, if you really want a comprehensive resource for supplements that's been compiled, that is not approved by anyone, go to rollsafe.org. That's kind of like the mm-hmm. standard. Yeah. Um, the most important supplements most likely will turn out to be stuff like acetyl-L-carnitine, which is uh, Alcar, or alpha-lipoic acid, which is ALA, because they're antioxidants. Mm-hmm. Those, okay. I would say, in my you know, not medical professional opinion. Right, might be right, good right. places to start. 5-HTP though. I was just going to bring that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of feelings about 5-HTP. People think that you can take 5-HTP after your roll and it's all fine. And it's as simple as just replenishing your serotonin. Folks, mm-hmm. if taking 5-HTP were as simple as you take it and your serotonin is fixed, we wouldn't have SSRIs. Like, right, please. right. Um, there's definitely some efficacy for 5-HTP. It might make you feel better. That's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say. It might make you feel better. Don't take it within 24 hours on either side of your role. Some people okay. get mild serotonin syndrome. Wow. Okay. That's really, really good to know. I was going to say that is the thing I hear the most often is like, if you have the post-festival depression, take 5-HTP and it will make you feel better and, and all Maybe. those things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's not going to fix the damage. Jittery. Right. Uh, it's like that one in magnesium. I know people always say to like help with your, help you sleep or help with your jaw clenching or something. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The thing with jaw clenching too, though, is it's like, if, if you're rolling hard enough that you really need magnesium or you're going to like break your pacifier, you're rolling on too much. That's yeah. a really, really, it's, it's not common for people to have on doses that are more moderate for their, their mm-hmm. personal chemistry. It's not common to have that much jaw clenching that there's like something that. else going on. It can happen. Good point. Yep. Um, but also magnesium comes in a ton of different forms and not all of them are very bioavailable, which means that just because you're eating them doesn't mean that they're actually doing anything. So do your mm. research on different kinds of magnesium and how bioavailable they are. Got it. Okay. Before we move into listener questions, one other thing I wanted to um, ask about is if you are a person, either your friends are partaking and you're not, or you're just somebody in the crowd who sees somebody having a hard time. Um, how do you handle seeing somebody who might be having a really hard trip or having issues? Wow. All these big questions. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think it really depends on the nature of what you're seeing. Um, the first thing that I always look for is physiological. Like before you take care of the psychological, take care of the physiological. Mm -hmm. Have you eaten anything? Have you had anything to hydrate you? Like we're talking water, not beer. Alcohol dehydrates you, does not count. Mm -hmm. Um, Sugary drinks, probably not the best for hydration. Salty drinks, cool. Um, Also checking to see, have you peed recently? You'd be shocked how many people tripping face have just forgotten to pee you just like do you need to pee that's like, so uh-huh. bad yeah, yeah yeah it's crazy yeah especially those poor guys in onesies that's really oh that's rough um so that i i would say is like the first couple of things to check off is like is this person physiologically taken care of but mm-hmm. most importantly if if you think that they are rolling for instance check for overheating like you want to really like test their main points and see if they're like noticeably hot or sweating or if they're just like clearly burning up but not sweating is a mm-hmm. really dangerous thing um, heating or an overheating will lead to a lot of collapsing. I would say that's most of when people collapse on dance floors is because they're overheating. Right. If someone is seizing, don't put anything in their mouth. Just like put something under their head to cushion them, start mm-hmm. a timer, call 911. Yep. Ask, ask for medics and no police. Do not say that they've taken a drug. Mm-hmm. Never ever tell cops on the phone that someone has taken a drug. Just say you need paramedics mm-hmm. and that someone is not breathing if they're not breathing. Again, right. if someone is 
unconscious and not responsive. Um, unresponsive and unconscious are two different things. If someone right. is um, unconscious, then it's clear that like they're breathing, they have a pulse clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the, but if yep. someone is unresponsive, then you cannot wake them up. And right. that's a much bigger emergency. Mm-hmm. Um, if you need to try and wake somebody up, look up the trapezium squeeze. It's a nice little, very uncomfortable mm-hmm. pain point that you can use to try and jerk someone out of it. Um, yeah, there are a couple of other ways to do it. In terms of, I, I would say that mostly it's like an issue of hydration and heat. A lot of the time for people with people that are tripping, that's a lot harder but I would say most of the time, people that are, are really high on psychedelics just really need someone to anticipate their needs and be mm-hmm. extremely gentle with them. Yep. Um, usually festivals are really tough environments to have a hard trip on acid or any other psychedelic because mm-hmm. it's so loud and overstimulating that you just are like beehive brain. So right. helping get that, that person to somewhere that is like calm and quiet, help them locate their items, be extremely sweet to them, like mm-hmm. really gentle. Um, do not force touch on anyone that's tripping. Yeah, <laughs> Don't do yeah. that. That's not cool. <laughs> right. And just generally being like as as kind and as supportive of a presence as you can. Don't forget, it's not your job to save them. It's not your job to fix the trip. All you're doing is keeping them from having like a really unsafe experience mm-hmm. for themselves or others. Thank you for saying that. I can't even imagine the pressure some people feel too in these types of situations but like that's what this community is all about is helping each other and being aware of your surroundings and realizing because I can't even imagine how many lives have been saved by people just intervening or asking somebody if they need water or something like that so yeah just be on the lookout for people around you whether you came with them or not please and like do not be afraid to get help when when it's needed but especially as we go into summer season here and festivals come back you guys and you're wearing masks and all those things like yeah please look out for each other. Cannot stress that enough. Um, I was going to say something else about the health stuff, but I, I think you covered, you covered a lot of it. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. We'll wrap up here pretty much with questions from the listeners. We might've covered some of this stuff already, but um, Jared asked what, or is there a specific goal that dance safe hopes to reach in years to come? What is the end game goal? You kind of touched on that a little. <laughs> yeah. End game goal is no more drug war, baby. Like end yeah. game goal is that we have an equitable, just responsible means of providing factual information for people that want to do whatever they want to do with their own bodies. And that we have managed to somehow loosen and completely eliminate the culture of stigma and shame that comes with drug use. Mm-hmm. Um, this is especially prevalent in talking about like decrim campaigns and like like plant medicine stuff, because you're really getting into the territory of of very much othering things like psychedelics from drugs like cocaine and heroin and meth and PCP. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact of the matter is that until all drugs are decriminalized at the very least, we are going to have blood on our hands. Period. Right, like right. including heroin, including meth, including PCP. I'm leaving off on a really unpopular opinion here. (laughs) (laughs) I can't elaborate on at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really the hope. Got it. Okay. This came up a couple of times. People are asking about the rave act, um, how that actually affects festivals. I've heard even distributing information pamphlets, pamphlets is viewed under the law as encouraging drug use, but I'd like to know the extent of the restrictions on harm reduction groups from the rave act. 
So uh, I think it was maybe last year or 2019, the Department of Justice actually released a response to the Amend the Rave Act team, which was founded, I believe, by parents that were angry about how their children had been harmed or killed by the Rave Act, Yep. saying unequivocally that providing harm reduction services at events does not constitute probable cause. Mm-hmm. So the Rave Act has been obviously a huge problem because it immediately de-incentivized promoters from providing safety measures at their events for fear that they were going to be prosecuted. However, to my knowledge, to our knowledge, no one has ever actually been convicted under the Rave Act. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's never been followed through on. And the whole idea behind it was that the Rave Act was pushed out right after this study was released in 2001, maybe, by this guy, Dr. George Ricard, mm-hmm. that made waves in the scientific community. Everyone freaked out because this study showed that MDMA totally fried your dopamine system in your brain and, and destroyed dopamine neurons on this massive scale. Mm-hmm. And all of these, these pharmacologists and scientists and therapists were like, what? This does not make any sense. But it caused this wave of panic. And in addition mm-hmm. to the fact that raves were getting pushed underground at this point in time and were mm-hmm. getting shut down with increasing frequency, um, there was a lot of backlash against raving and partying and drug use. However, the catch was that this study was quietly rescinded next year because Mm -hmm. there had been a bottle mix-up and Dr. Ricard had used meth and not MDMA in this study. Oh my God. This is a real story. This is like, actually, you can can literally look up that there was a study done, yeah, like last year showing that um, there was far less media attention to the withdrawal of this study Mm -hmm. than to the release of the study. Of course. So people knew it happened, but didn't know that it was actually totally null. Wow. Yeah, oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, the yeah. Rebac. I I didn't really know too much about it. I knew it existed, but I didn't know that much about it. And I was looking it up before. Yeah, I was going to say if you guys want, definitely look into that. Um, but it de- it affects how the promoters uh, can include information about harm reduction at their events. Okay, let's see other. Oh, do festivals allow? I don't know if you'll know this, but do festivals allow attendance to carry Narcan on them? Hmm. And Narcan is something you can give to somebody who is clearly having an overdose, right? I'm pretty sure. Yes. Well, Narcan actually, it will not hurt someone that's not overdosing on an opioid. You know, you can give it to someone if you have a suspicion. Also, can you still hear me okay? I have to take AirPods dying. You're good. Um, To my knowledge, I, I think that probably it would depend on the state and the paraphernalia laws of the state. Um, realistically speaking, I don't think you're at particular risk of carrying Narcan with you at festivals. I would encourage you to be safe and mindful and also do it. Mm-hmm. If you have the privilege and the ability to do so safely. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I would definitely say look on a case by case basis in your state. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I know too, with, uh, I had a guest on recently um, who carries like a lot of medication on him, like it's subscribed as actual like heart medication and things like that too. And I know certain festivals, if you show your prescription and things like that for actual medication for your health, you can bring certain things in for that mm-hmm. too, just to mention. Um, I think we might've caused a lot of this, but somebody said, is fentanyl overdose one of the main things that testing kits are combating? Right. Okay. So fentanyl strips are different than reagent test kits. Mm-hmm. Our reagent kits, no reagent kit is sensitive enough to identify fentanyl. If you're looking at a, at a, a test kit and it claims that it can identify fentanyl and it's not a test strip, run away. That is okay. totally false advertising. Um, and, and it's a real problem. So our test strips 
are, we tested a bunch of them for accuracy and the ability to detect analogs. And the brand of our test strips does have a, a really high rate of accuracy. However, it's incredibly important to use the test strips exactly as we say to on the website. Mm -hmm. Like use our instructions, no one else's instructions. We have spent so much time making sure that these instructions are correct. Um, you have to dilute your sample properly and ideally use the entire thing. Mm -hmm. So definitely I would say right now, especially if you're doing cocaine, mm -hmm. you should be testing the entire sample. Just leave yourself a couple of days, like pop it in a shot glass or on a Pyrex dish after you dissolve it in water. Mm -hmm. The water will evaporate out. You can chop it into powder again. It might even evaporate out some organic solvents and make it smell nicer. Mm -hmm. Um don't be afraid of dissolving your whole sample of a drug as you do a fentanyl test strip. Oh, and okay. benzos. Benzos on the illicit market are like not benzos right now. Oh. Be super careful. Like if you're getting illicitly pressed Alprazolam, for instance, which is Xanax, mm -hmm. the likelihood of it being Xanax and not something else is really low. Do you guys, I'm sure this might be a stupid question, but like, do you guys have, like, how are you finding out all this information of like what's out on the market right now and what's fake and what's not? Is it just like... I don't know. Cause I know there's crazy Reddit groups too, of people like yeah. literally posting photos and sharing comments and all this shit that you'd be surprised about, but. Right. Oh, I wish I could give a consolidated response to this. The <laughs> perks of being in this industry for so long is are that a lot of your friends are just super into the same things that mm -hmm. you are. Mm -hmm. So what this market relies on word of mouth. However, I also pull some market data from drugsdata.org um, which publishes the results of, you can send in a sample for like full laboratory testing. If you want to know what something actually is affirmatively, mm -hmm. you can send it into drugs data. It does cost a pretty penny though. It's about a hundred dollars. Um, okay. yeah, but if you're but, buying a batch, yeah, it's, exactly. it's well worth it. Yep. Um, <laughs> the issue with, with drugs data though, is that obviously there's a kind of a small socioeconomics and, and, um, a small socioeconomic subset of people and of people that will actually know that this exists. So your sample data isn't perfect because like a lot of stuff that's out there, people would never even think think to send it to a lab mm -hmm. or have a hundred dollars to send it in. Yeah. I literally wouldn't have never known. Oh my God. I'm like in my head, I'm like, guys, there's so much helpful information. I need to like chop this episode up into different portions so that we can get this information out there. But um, last thing I want to ask you is any final messages to leave festival attendees ravers with before they start going back to events here so I charge my pods one at a time um <laughs> classic yeah so I have a lot of messages that I could leave but the first is that I want 2021 to be the year that testing your drugs becomes super sexy mm -hmm. like hype your friends up you can make this into a group activity you can make this a fun thing to do it doesn't have to be this like oh god like Joey wants to test her jugs again. I've seen so many health consequences from people taking substances that were not what they thought they were. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, if you have a pill and it pops as being like alpha PVP, which is Flocka, which was is a cathinone, if it pops as being that and you're like, oh, this sounds awesome, I'll research the dosage and decide how I want to do it. All power to you. But if you take it and you have no idea how much you're taking, what you're taking, that is mm -hmm. totally different. You cannot prepare yourself for it. Right. And if, especially if you're paying hundreds of dollars to go to a festival, you want to be there for the festival. It is just like such a small series of very important steps that you can take. Mm -hmm. If you have a rave crew, 
then split up the purchase of a kit with everyone, have one person keep it in their freezer. It will last, for the most part, it will last for years in your freezer. Mm -hmm. So just do it. Seriously, just like make it hot. Make it the thing to do. Have it be like mad science. Yes. (laughs) Drug checking, make it hot. I'm so glad you said that though, because I- I couldn't stress that enough as well. Like the amount of people you see looking around a festival, having a bad fucking time because right. they had an oh, issue. Yeah. And it's like, you are traveling here. You're spending so much money. Not only that, but like worst case scenario, you genuinely have a serious health concern or something like that. But it just blows my mind. The amount of people who don't remember the night and spent all this money on something. And right. it's like, why, or have a horrible trip. And it's like the worst experience of their life. And they just can't wait to go wait to go to sleep. It's like, why do you want to do your, that to yourself? Well, there's one other thing that I'll say to add on to that, which is like maybe the most important advice I could ever give to anyone going to a show as a festival rat, as someone that's Mm -hmm. been going to stuff forever. um, In my humble opinion, the best drug experiences and the best experiences are holistically awesome. Like Mm -hmm. start to finish. We're talking the morning of that afternoon, that night, late night, your sleep and the morning after and the days after that, like I personally think that those kinds of experiences feel existentially grounding and satisfying in a way that like a really, really gnarly four hour experience never could, never could. Mm -hmm. That is just me. But I also really encourage people to at least try it out. You know, like the experience of doing drugs takes practice. It takes time. It takes Mm -hmm. a lot of effort and energy to get good at doing drugs. Mm-hmm. And there is pretty much always going to be a point where you get smacked by doing something that you've done before that worked out fine, but did not work out fine the next mm-hmm. time. Yep. And it's fine to get smacked, you know, like you have to learn, but I just, I would just really encourage, like, take one dose of Molly, mm-hmm. sit with your friends beforehand and be like, and like, this is, you know, a real thing that mm-hmm. I have done that is really great is sitting with people and saying, this drug experience will end after like four hours, we will start coming down. Mm -hmm. We will stop being as interested in each other. We're not going to be feeling it as much. We'll look around each other and people will be kind of just like staring at the distance, glassy eyed. That's fine. Mm -hmm. That's how it's going to be. It is okay. Or even if you're tripping with people to just be beforehand, like, Hey, I know that when I trip, sometimes I get kind of withdrawn and I'm not feeling really social. It has nothing to do with you guys. That's how I am. Just want to let you know in advance. And stuff like that is like, it, it takes a different kind of trust to communicate effectively about drug use. Mm-hmm. And it's much more of a long-term commitment to like self-actualization, I would say, to really work on honing those things. It really makes it a more robust experience overall, mm-hmm. I think. I agree. So, the, communica- the communication is a huge, huge part of it. And I think until you've experienced it, even if it's new people that you're going to an event with or like friends, I think that's such a huge thing because you do not realize like how much the people around you can influence your mood and your experience as well. And that happens to so many different people. So yeah, that is a brilliant idea, guys. Have conversations, communicate. Um, Where can people connect with you and with Dance Safe? Um, I respond to all of our social media messages. So any one of our platforms, you can just go ahead and hit us up there. It will probably be me on the other end. Um, feel free to DM us with questions and just like, you can always email me if, if you have a direct inquiry at rachel at dancesafe.org. Other than that, our website is dancesafe.org. Our handles are usually dancesafe or mm-hmm. like.dancesafe. So make sure you go to our Dance Safe national page, not our individual chapters. If it says anything but just Dance Safe, it's mm-hmm. not us. 
Okay, cool. Yeah. And I'll include a lot of helpful links, testing kits, like all of that good stuff. Your course that you mentioned, that sounds really cool. interesting. If people want to take that. Um, okay. Rachel, thank you so much. Hang tight. Yes. Everybody else. I'll be back with dance music news. Alrighty, you guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I hope you learned something new. Um, it was really hard to go back and like edit this because there were so many different points in this conversation that I wanted to clip out because it was genuinely so helpful and I learned so much from her. So I'm definitely going to be um, pushing this out there and sharing this in smaller clips as well. But again, um, I would really, really appreciate if you could share this with a friend today or make this your Instagram stories. If you found this helpful, um, tag at RaveCultureCast and of course tag um, dancesafe.org as well. Um, but yeah, I learned a lot. Thank you guys for listening to the whole thing. Um, I'm going to dive into some news, some festival news, some dance music news here, and then we'll wrap this whole thing up. Okay, I've got a ton, so I'm going to try and uh, breeze through this. First, uh, Firefly Music Festival, which is going to be taking place this September this year, dropped their lineup. Really, really incredible. Honestly, I was very impressed with it. Um, This is a mixed genre festival. It's a camping event. Um, they have headliners like Billie Eilish, The Killers, Tame Impala, and Lizzo. And then dance music wise, I see Diplo, Rez, Slander, Maddion, Sophie Tucker, Chris Lake, Woof, Big Wild, Duke Dumont. Mm-hmm. Who else do we have on here? Mark Rebelay, Blossom. Love my girl Blossom's on here. Gigi McGree and Miha. That's awesome. That's going to be amazing back to back. So really incredible. I think that'll be a fun event. That one takes place in Delaware. Um, Porter Robinson announced a massive tour in the United States for this fall. All kinds of dates, all kinds of locations. I'm pretty sure he's playing three nights at Avant Gardner in Brooklyn, New York, which is really cool. So pretty sure tickets are already on sale and Jai Wolf is his support for that. Uh, We also have a lineup drop from Beyond Wonderland. Um, Pasquale Rotella made a couple announcements on the festival front, um, one of which being Beyond Wonderland's new lineup. Um, This is now taking place August 27th through the 28th. This is the SoCal version. Really incredible. I might do a lineup review on my YouTube channel, so stay tuned on that. We also got an update from EDC Portugal that that is going to be postponed to 2022. They just couldn't pull it off this year, so that's not too surprising. Um, Dead Mouse is going to be playing a show in Las Vegas on May 21st, so he would have been in Vegas for EDC weekend um, with support from Nero and No Mana. And then we had some news out of Washington, D.C. If any of you guys are local to the area, you know the venue Echo Stage. So I'm pretty sure they are going to be opening in June. Some restrictions are getting lifted. So that's really exciting. I'll let you know any of my locals in the New York, New Jersey area what's happening. But we're like holding our breath and waiting to see if we'll have some events at the end of the year. Cannot wait. Um, okay. In other news, Tomorrowland, we have an update. So they shared on their Instagram that they are delighted and grateful to hear that the Belgian government has given a realistic perspective for large festivals in Belgium towards the end of summer. The perspective is not only hopeful for Tomorrowland as an organization, but also for more than their 1500 suppliers and their staff. Um, so they said they're going to wait to study the guidelines and parameters that the government gives out in the next few days, and then they will give an update. But they're obviously going to follow any health and safety protocols and fingers crossed that event can take place because I know all my fans, all my people, all my headliners out in um, Europe or internationally who aren't able to have any events. I know North America is opening up much faster, but I hope that that can come through for you so you guys can go to something 
Okay, other lineups, Groove Cruise. Groove Cruise also coming in with some heat. I'm, I've been really impressed with all of the lineup drops, to be honest with you guys. Um, so Groove Cruise is obviously a cruise event. It's taking place, uh, it's shipping out of Orlando, Florida, January 2022. Uh, they have some staple um, people who are not new to the Groove Cruise family. And then they have a bunch of heavy hitters on here as well. They've got a mix of trance house bass music um go check out living by the f words video she has like a 30 minute lineup review details on each and every one of these artists she's done groove cruise like seven times you guys so definitely go watch that if you want more information um i was going to tell you that elenium announced a red rock show in october but it sold out already (laughs) so i don't know if there's any point in me talking about it but yeah he's doing that uh he'll be back for three nights october 7th through the 9th um but sadly it sold out today sorry guys Okay, and then we also got word from Excision that he's going to be doing essentially like a pre-Lost Lands event. He basically said it's, you know, a long time away from the family having a reunion. So he wanted to do a two-day event in July in Ohio. It is not a camping festival, but I'm sure you can expect all of the base up in your motherfucking face, if you know what I mean. So that will be really cool if people want to travel and do that, if they couldn't do Lost Lands for any reason. Um, Okay, last two things. Uh, Lights All Night, which is uh, a New Year's Eve festival typically that takes place in Dallas, I believe. I could be wrong. Um, They announced they're hopping on the bandwagon of the hotel takeovers, the all-inclusive destination hotel takeovers. They are going to Puerto Vallarta for four days. Um, DJ sets on the sand, pool parties, club nights, snorkeling, tequila tours. That sounds amazing. November... 4th to the 7th plan your escape this is a trip with pollen um packages go on sale i think this week now that this is out um with the covid money back guarantee really really cool i think all of these are cool there's just too many i can't attend them but at some point i do want to do one of these all-inclusive hotel takeovers because literally what is better than being able to just go see shows all day and night and stay in a nice all-inclusive hotel on the beach you really can't go wrong just take your pick (laughs) Um, okay, holy shipwrecked sold out. That was fast. I knew it would sell quickly, but I didn't think it would sell out that fast. Um, so those rooms are all booked. And last but certainly not least, DEFCON is gonna be moving to a four-day event. Um, hold on. My article isn't loading. Um, but DEFCON is a hard dance festival for anybody who is interested. Let's see. I wonder what it was before. Okay, an extra day added. So it was always three dates. DEFCON 1, Primal Energy 2022. Get ready for four days of madness. This is on We Rave You. Um, I mean, that's better if people haven't been able to go in a really long time. Might as well give them an extra date. So that sounds amazing. Um, They're going to be doing a digital version also this summer of the event, which will run from June 24th to the 27th, if anybody's interested. But that's it, you guys. I know that was a lot of news. I came at you really, really quickly, but I want to make sure you stay informed. And with that being said, thank you so, so much for listening. Thank you for being here. I hope you learned something new. Um, Definitely read up on Dance Safe, you guys. Check out the resources listed. And please, please, I beg of you, be safe this festival season. Like I said, my stance on this stuff is really like, if you're going to partake in substances or whatever it might be or you know you are the sober raver and your friends are like just be aware 
of your surroundings, test your stuff, like be smart, please, and take your precautions and everything like that. Um, I want all of you in my family to be safe um, and responsible. So know what resources you have. If you have a dance safe um, at an event that you're going to attend, definitely go drop by and say hello. Again, don't be afraid to get medical help if you ever need it or if a friend needs it um, and just be there for people in this community. So thank you. Go, Thank you guys. I can't even talk. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, If you enjoyed the episode, I would love it if you would rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, Subscribe to our YouTube channel and come join our Discord and Facebook group communities. Uh, And with all that being said, thank you guys so much for listening and I will see you in my next episode. Bye guys. Bye guys.